Welcome to the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. I'm Kate Moore Youssef, and I'm a wellbeing and lifestyle coach, EFT practitioner, mum to four kids, and passionate about helping more women to understand and accept their amazing ADHD brains. After speaking to many women just like me, and probably you, I know there is a need for more health and lifestyle support for women newly diagnosed with ADHD. In these conversations, you'll learn from insightful guests, hear new findings and discover powerful perspectives and lifestyle tools to enable you to live your most fulfilled, calm and purposeful life wherever you are on your ADHD journey. Here's today's episode. Hi everyone. So today we're doing things a little bit differently. We decided to do a little bit of a pod swap and I have got the ADHD as females, ADHD AF, um, ladies Laura and Dawn on the podcast today and I am on their podcast as well also this week. And I'm so excited to bring them to you because they are just fabulous women. They share their story, they share them their craziness of being neighbours but also starting the podcast and doing what they do in the neurodivergent arena, how they're helping so many different people. And I just love the connection that we have different podcasts, we're serving different communities, but essentially our premise is the same. And that is helping with acceptance and awareness and love and compassion in the ADHD community. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation. They are hysterical. I think you'll see this is just basically us having a really good chat and I really hope it helps you and brings some light to your situation, but also lots of guidance and support. So here's today's conversation. We're so excited. It's double double trouble, isn't it? Like we're going through for ADHD Awareness Month. (laughs) Oh, so for the listeners that they can understand, English is Laura. Laura, squeaky voice, Laura. And Scottish dulcet tones, Dawn. Yes, hard, hardy Scottish. <laughs> I don't even know what I would call my voice, but yeah. Sexy. Yeah. So I absolutely love your story. I don't know it in intricate detail and I would love to hear a little bit more, but am I right in saying that you ladies are neighbours? Yes, we yes. live six doors apart. We moved okay. to the same street at the same time, at, at the, the same, same age, with, with the, the same, same undiagnosed disability. <laughs> what are the chances? Yeah. Incredible. And you're both loving animal print as well and so the fact that you've obviously got huge amounts in common tell me how I'd love to know the abridged version of how this all came about I mean what about like how how does this even happen well I was just going to say one word which is impulsivity yeah so in a nutshell (laughs) what happened was I had a barbecue so we moved during the pandemic and when the restrictions lifted enough to socialize it was outdoors and so I said to Dawn would you like to come around for a barbecue? We sat outside. I poured her a glass of wine. And the very first thing she said was, excuse me if I talk too much. I think I've got ADHD. And I said, no way, me too. And that was the start of it. We both started on our own safaris of ADHD because we don't love the word journey, safaris. And um, I found the ADHD adults podcast was recommended to me by a friend. And I said to Dawn, you should listen to this. And she said, we should start our own. And that's it. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is. But that's the thing with ADHD is that impulsivity. Sometimes it can, like, lead us into all sorts of calamities. But sometimes it is absolute genius. And we just jump without looking and worrying. And clearly it worked. I did exactly the same with my podcast. You just jump and you kind of expect something to kind of, like, you know, hold you. And what you do 
is very niche because you bring humor, you bring honesty, truth, authenticity. And I just love the difference between our podcasts because we've all got the same, you know, message. We all just want to help create more awareness and create more connection and community. And I love what you girls do. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about what made you both decide to seek these diagnoses. Like how was it showing up for you? And what age were you both when you got diagnosed? Well, I, it, it always been a bit of a running joke in our family that I had ADHD, but it was never taken seriously. And I think that's just because of what people thought ADHD was, including ourselves, that it was little boys that get it. And uh, so, yeah, it was never taken seriously. And then I'd approach someone about it. Um, it was a therapist. She's like, you don't have ADHD because you can hold a conversation with me. You've so, got a vagina. Yeah. And, <laughs> Obviously, I could hold that conversation because I was in turmoil and was looking for a way out. And so I was focused on that. I kind of dismissed it until a friend turned around to me one day and she said, my friend's just been diagnosed with ADHD. And she was telling me about her symptoms and how it shows up for her. And it sounded like she was describing you. So that kind of was the the little kick to get me looking back into it and actually taking it a little bit more seriously. And that's how it started. So I just kind of hit the ground running with it. And I'm like, yep. This wow. is me. Yeah. So how long ago was that? That was when I was 38. Um, okay. that, it was, Two years yeah, ago. Yeah, May, May 30, May 21, God I knows. think it was. Yeah, yeah. May 2021. We always remember, don't we? We remember exactly yeah. the, the month. Yeah. And what about you, Laura? Well, funnily enough, further serendipity is that it was through a conversation with a friend. So a friend of mine who I would see as very together, good job, you know, you good with money, well, looks after herself, uh, sat down and told me she'd just been diagnosed. This was actually a little bit earlier. So I I think I was 35. um, And she said, and she's telling me all this stuff. And I was like, God, well, this blows my mind. This isn't, you know, how I would, what I know of ADHD, I would never relate to you. How does it affect your life? And she started explaining it. And I jokingly went, well, bloody hell, if you've got it, I've definitely got it. And she was like, (laughs) yeah, about that that's why we're having this conversation. I was like, right. But then I went to get an NHS diagnosis, completely oblivious that that would be a hard thing to do. I honestly thought having battled my mental health, battled eating disorders from my teenage years, I've had a million doctor's appointments over the years. I just thought it was going to be that. I thought it was going to be that straightforward thing. It wasn't. The pandemic hit. I just coped and cracked on until I met Dawn. And then I was like, Oh yeah, that's why life's so fucking hard. I should address this now. And that's and that's that. And that it was a year after we met almost to the day that we put out the first episode. Yeah. And we were on our different paths. And that's kind of what we've documented whilst pulling people along for the ride. Yeah, because what you do so well is your community. And I absolutely love that. I mean, the fact, like, what are the chances that I know obviously you're English. Scottish. Do you live in Scotland? Is that right? Where where yeah. are you guys? Yeah. So we live in a really tiny, quirky little fishing village. It's called Fitty and it is on Aberdeen Beach. It's literally on the beach. Yeah. And it's an amazing, weird and wonderful place. It was designed by the architect who designed Balmoral. It's these squares. There's actually some documentaries about it. Yeah. And it's magical, isn't it? It's yes. like a real um, magnet for creatives. Yes. It's a, it's a beautiful little place. And when I, I decided to move here because I'd just come out of a, a toxic relationship, a break breakup, and I was really trying to 
sort myself out. So I moved here, I quit my job, applied for university, and this was all part of this process of me kind of understanding myself. And so I moved here, started posting about it all over social media, hashtag fitty and fitty life, um, all the rest of it. And that's where Laura... Um, bulldozed in. Bulldozed so in, yeah. I basically, my husband got a job. We thought we were moving to Ibiza. I lived in Ibiza a long time. We thought we were moving to Ibiza. And then his boss said, actually, no, we're not going to allow that, but you can move to Aberdeen. And my husband came up telling me, laughing, because there's me looking at places to live in Ibiza and he's like they want us to move to Scotland and because of my impulsivity and also because to get a bit I am a bit woo-woo actually yeah I was like right then let's go that's the opportunity that's presented itself let's go to Scotland that's what's meant to happen and when we got here it was deepest darkest pandemic October 2020 won't last that much longer will it (laughs) and uh, we were in an apartment which was all, uh, that's a whole other story. I won't, I won't go down that road. But um, found Fitty and was like, now I could live here. This I could get behind. And so I was so excited. We found a property. We were very lucky to get in here. And I was looking on social media because I was excited to move. And that's how I saw Dawn. And I literally went, wow. oh, my God, I'm moving to Fitty. I moved in maybe three weeks after you. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's it. Six doors apart, same age, et cetera. Yeah. Well, if it all goes tits up with the ADHD thing, I think the Fitty Tourist Board are going to be like employee <laughs> stressed. <laughs> well, they, they already have coach loads turning up here and in through our windows as it is. Yeah, so. exactly. Oh, my God. I mean, not first of all, I've never heard. <laughs> You've sold it to me. I'm thinking, I want to go to Fitty. It, it is, sounds it incredible. A, it is an amazing place, yeah. yeah. But, it, I mean, the fact that you're on the beach as well, I wonder if you guys were, like, naturally drawn to that because you know how calming and regulating that yeah, is we, exactly. I, the amount of people I know with ADHD that are drawn to being by the sea so you get to go for walks on the beach is that like a thing I've been, cold been water for a big swimming. one this morning Dawn's more into the cold water swimming yeah I know it's very good for you but I'm a bit nesh I'm not gonna lie so I I'm like my toes go white I just I've done it well you're a southerner aren't you yeah I'm a so. southerner softly 100% <laughs> and I lived in Spain for about 15 years so yeah. no it's not really my vibe but um yeah wow. we do do beach things but the funniest is that we can often see the northern lights and one time we were getting these apps going off saying, oh, the Northern Knights are out tonight. She's dancing, blah, blah, blah. We're like, can you be bothered? Like, no. And so we sat in our houses <laughs> and did a walk out of our front door and watched them all night. I know. Terrible. We're about 50- That's what happens if you see it all the time. It's like, oh, <laughs> We're like 50 metres away from the beach. And yeah, yeah, it's nice having that on my doorstep. Yeah, it really is. Right, I need to see pictures. So yeah. when, you, when this goes online, I want to see pictures of yes. the beach, the Northern Lights. We, yes. We're yeah. going to push fitty you're going to be pushing the house prices up here um, yeah I mean what's interesting is like Ibiza or Aberdeen and um you know that 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 spiritual side of me is kind of like I would have been like we're going to Ibiza of course it's Ibiza but you just accepted and kind of welcomed in this kind of diversion and look what an amazing route change it's been for you that you know you've created this incredible space for so many people I think it's it's all very surreal. Everything that's happened is very surreal and we haven't stopped running. We haven't stopped yeah. running and we haven't actually had a chance to really look after ourselves in any of this <laughs> is the truth of it. Um, but I always knew because I, I'm so bad, I'm so badly affected by weather and I've always chased the sunshine and I've chased the fun. And I know myself that I could be shrouded in darkness 
on a 30 degree heat day with nothing to worry about other than whether I've got guest list or not and what dress I'm going to wear tonight. So I knew that coming to Aberdeen would be so incredibly challenging for me. And I was like, um, I'm up against it because I need these things that I've put in place just to get by, just to keep my head up. So I knew that coming to Aberdeen was like, this this will kind of be the making of me because mm-hmm. if it's going to be hard and if I can come through this, then yeah. I'll, I'll be all the better for it. And I just yeah. I knew something was going to happen and it did. Yeah. So when you were, I guess, Ibiza, um, I've been a few times and, you know, that lure of, the debauched kind of like party lifestyle and all of that. I don't know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm thinking, you know, maybe it was a universal diversion for you to to be somewhere that, you know, wasn't as accessible. But, you know, on the flip side, I'm very similar. Like for me, being outside, um, weather, the sunshine, like it really has an impact on my mood. And I can imagine that many months of the year in Aberdeen, it's dark and cold. Oh, yeah. Is that how, how do you struggle? How, I mean, both of you, because um, seasonal affective disorder is actually one of the big comorbidities of yeah. um, ADHD. So how do you, how do you work with that? Well, having a fire is nice. It is nice. <laughs> yeah. Cozy and down. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, for me, I went hard with the dopamine decor because I've never, I mean, let's not lie, it's not my house. My husband bought the house. I'm terrible with money. But it's the first time I've ever had anything that was mine. And so I spent the whole of the pandemic like looking for all these colours and things that I could do. And basically my house is like, something out of I, I don't know how you the, describe the, the it the dopamine den it's the dopamine den I've got rainbow <laughs> I've got a rainbow staircase I've got leopard print carpet I've, I've gone for it I've got Incredible. leopards all over the walls because that when it's horrible outside I can't even bear to look at it so I mm-hmm. actually and it's not healthy but it's what I do I just close the blinds I close it down I put the nice lights on and I sit in my house and go well this is colorful I can yeah. pretend that this world is colorful when it's actually yeah. everything is gray you know Aberdeen is called the granite city because everything is made of granite so on a beautiful day it sparkles it's stunning yeah it sparkles sometimes yeah. everything is gray yeah. <laughs> you know yeah yeah I feel like a lot of people could relate to that because like you said about, you know, you can be an Ibiza on the beach and still feel low and depressed. And so we have to have these little tools, don't we, and little ways and hacks that we can pick ourselves up. And I believe that having the awareness of ADHD. So I guess, you know, for you girls now, when you had that awareness, like what changed in your lives? Everything. Gosh. Go on, do the mic drop. <laughs> do it. Everything. Well, yeah, so like for me, I think, it's basically identity because we would ask the question who were we before our diagnosis and that my mic drop moment was in that moment I realized I was everybody else Mm. like I have been a chameleon so although there are parts of me that are me there is so much of me that is dependent on who I'm with what do you want I'm the chameleon I present myself in a way that I think people want me rather than just being myself and setting my boundaries and telling people what I want and what I need. It's always been the people pleaser, making sure everyone else is okay. But what I'm really coming to terms with just now is understanding that being a people pleaser, you might look as though you're you're helping people in doing what they want to do, but actually long-term that's not beneficial. And you you end up causing more trouble than you want to. So, and that's really confronting. Because if you spend your night life trying to make other people happy and then you realise you're actually 
causing problems making them unhappy and you're not being yourself and making yourself unhappy yeah it's like it's a lot double negative you know and so that's that's kind of where I'm at just now is like kind of reforming and taking ownership of my identity and who I am and fixing the problems that have occurred along the way as I learn how to put new coping mechanisms in place yeah it's that you've been in this process of unmasking and I think what's interesting is when we work in this space and we're doing the podcasting it's sometimes very easy to lose ourselves and not do the healing and the processing ourselves because we're there on this mission and as incredible as it is to know that our podcasts are helping lots of people sometimes that we do need to make that space. You know, I just had a break from my podcast. I needed that break. I probably could have gone on for longer, but I also love making the podcast that kind of like really feeds my soul. But to have that space and that time to to process and really look inwards is vital. And I do think it is, it's long-term this. It's not like diagnosis, few weeks processing, bingo, life sorted. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's It's the weirdest condition in the sense that, it's, it answers so many questions, but it then, it's this, it just opens up this new kind of like portal to so many other things as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I don't of, know any of, other condition like it. Yeah, it's a lot of peeling back layers. Yeah. yeah. And once you've peel, peeled off a layer, as soon as you get that and you're like, oh, you get the relief from that one. It's just like, oh, you're confronted with this other one. And it's like, oh no, another one. I thought I had them all off and there's more and there's more and there's more. And it can be exhausting. It's it's tiresome trying to figure this out. And then especially being late diagnosed. And I think if you have the support growing up with an early diagnosis and understanding, then you're not going to have all these unhealthy coping mechanisms. I mean, you might still have some, but Mm. growing up without the diagnosis, then you've got to understand like, okay, what are the coping mechanisms that I've put in place? First, you've got to figure them out because you might not even understand that you're doing half of them. And then once you've figured them out, you then have to understand, you then have to learn how to how to stop them, how to change how them. How to recognise them before, yeah. they, before they play out again. Yeah, how to change I think, them. I think my big one is, is self-trust. When we went on tour, I talked a lot about these situations. I'd end up and I'd be like, oh my God, how did I get here? And this frightening realisation that I am unsafe in my own hands. And I feel like for me, like I've got way past that. Like I make better decisions. I know what's going on. I can recognise my impulsivity, et cetera. However, I've now just got a whole new one coming where I realise my own vulnerability in the trust that I put into people and things, the energy that I put into people and things, is that actually I do get really badly taken advantage of. I do get trapped in situations. I am the underdog. I am downtrodden. And then you're like, suddenly, having gone from this place of feeling like I'm, oh, here I go, I'm going along and things are getting better. I'm suddenly like, and now I feel massively unsafe again. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. But can I just be honest, in the name of shame eradication, Mm. I've forgotten the question. (laughs) So have I. <laughs> it's, it's fine. I genuinely can't remember the question, but I think you've answered it both beautifully. Okay. I, going, going back to what you said about self-trust, I think that's so important because that was the biggest thing for me as well. I didn't trust myself. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, even now I'm going to London tomorrow and I've checked my train ticket loads of times. I've checked the time. I've checked that I've not like made a mistake and I'll do it again and again tomorrow as well because that level of self-trust is still like, well, you've, you always make mistakes. You always cock up. There's always something that you miss. There's, 
and, and it is reprogramming the way we yeah. think and yeah. actually I've got like some free resources on my website and one of the most downloaded free resource is an EFT practice on self-trust yeah because I recognize that self-trust and ADHD is like self-doubt like I'd make a decision before I was diagnosed and I'd doubt myself well no like you can't do that and the doubt and the spiraling and it would just block me from doing all sorts of things so I think it's really so many people would be so grateful to hear that this self-trust thing is still playing out but I think the more we like you said, like we notice the impulsivity, we notice when we're doing something, we're in preventative mode, that trust begins to grow because we have evidence that we've made the right decisions and we've made choices that work for yeah. us. And we're being yeah. authentic, we're removing our mask. I'll give you a really pathetic example, but yesterday I went to get my nails done and at the end I realised that she, I didn't love them. Like she'd done something and the ends weren't quite right and I went, sat in my car and I looked at them and I was like, this is going to annoy me. Like it's going to get really annoyed. I was just like thinking, I was like, could feel the blood like boiling. I was like, do I go home and just suck it in? Or do I go back, get out of my car, walk back to the nail salon and tell her. And if, I think the me a year ago wouldn't have done that. And I went it. back in yeah. and I was like, I'm really sorry, but you've kind of filed down the edges. And now like the color's not really there and I'm just going to annoy me. And I obviously was super apologetic when it was all my fault. Of course it's your fault. Of course it's your fault. How dare you? (laughs) And I felt awful for complaining or even like just saying, would you mind just fixing it? Yeah. But she did it and I walked out and my nails now look better than, you know, I wanted them to. And so that was basically, I can't remember the point of the the story, but it was basically... Trusting yourself. Yeah, knowing that it's okay to speak up and it's okay to go there it's all we're all learning aren't we we just keep we keep going I think yeah I think also there's something else that's like in my mind so it must have been part of a question somewhere (laughs) was about um when we are podcasting and we don't look after ourselves and really like acknowledge that time or whatever I feel like for me I I don't feel exactly the same way that Dawn does in that I didn't like I'm trying to find myself. Yeah. I felt I've I've basically been the same person since I was 14 years old. That is the truth. That's why I'm so immature and so ridiculous, <laughs> right? But um I felt that there was something wrong and I got the answer. And when I got the answer, I was like, ah, and then I looked around me, saw that it was everywhere, saw that all these people were suffering, and at the same time, I lost my best friend or around about that time. And I can't really, as much as I miss him, I can't deal with the injustice. I'm so angry about it and there's nothing I can do about it. But you know what? I found out this thing and I can do something about this. And it's not so much that I think that I'm going to start a revolution and I'm going to change the world and I'm the person. I don't know what I'm talking about half of the time, but I can do something. Yeah. I can use my voice. I can speak to other people. And that is my drive. And for a while there, I thought that maybe I was bargaining. It's the bargaining stage of grief. Well, if I can just do this and if I can just do that. No, it isn't that. I've got to the bottom of it now. And it's just like, I know the answer. I can see it in front of me. I can see all of this suffering and injustice. And I'm damned if I'm going to let it carry on. Not, Not on my watch. And that's what I'm doing. But... At some point, I do sort of need to look after myself as well. Yeah, and that's it. There's a level of that with myself. Is like I, the reason I started the podcast is because I know how I feel about myself and how much I've struggled. So I don't want other people to struggle in the same way that I have because mm-hmm. I know how 
how debilitating it is. I know how awful it makes you feel. So if I can do something to help other people, then that's what I'll do. But at the same time, I have to remember that I still have to help myself in all of that. And that's where you can get a little bit lost. If you are wanting to learn more about your ADHD and how to help yourself from a well-being and lifestyle perspective, please do head to my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. I've got lots of resources on there and workshops, downloads. I have lots of free resources. I really want to make sure that you're able to get access to the information and the knowledge that you deserve. So please just head to my website. I'm uploading new content all the time and I really hope it helps. Now back to this week's episode. I mean, what you ladies did over over the summer was awe-inspiring. Am ridiculous. I right? Ridiculous. Summer. Ridiculous. Incredible. <laughs> can you tell, can you tell the listeners what you did and how you did it and like where it's going? What from, didn't from... we do? Are you talking about the too much tour? Oh, uh, yes. yeah. So talking ba- about like, it's incredible what you did. So basically, the reason why we're sat here in leopard print is because the leopard is the symbol of Aberdeen. Yeah. It also symbolises, um, I've resilience. forgotten, resilience. It's reclaiming of power. That's the yeah. big one. And we're 40 and we're British, so we're a little bit hun, right? Yeah. So that's that's kind of, it's, it's an in-joke and it's a bit fun and people have jumped on board with it. And what we've really pushed with this podcast is this message of too muchness. So we are all different, but Dawn and I, are very similar for all our differences we are similar in that we're too loud we're too brash we're too we've been too slutty too aggressive too all too drunk a million times all of the things like we're the wrong ends right and so when we started looking into this and we knew nothing about anything just that we we had this thing we don't know about the etiquette we don't know about the community we don't know about how it looks for other people we've just dived straight in started to realize that when you're talking about like neurodivergent events for except for example you know there is this idea there is a lot talked about with sensory issues of people being um overstimulated mm-hmm. and this need to pair it back and be quiet well the pair of us couldn't be quiet if we fucking tried right <laughs> so uh, and i'm the opposite i'm understimulated i am pathologically bored actually yeah. and mm-hmm. i need stimulation all of the time and what i was noticing on different forums is that even within the community there is this kind of we're too much yeah i hear it said a lot you know that squeaky one the one with the laugh the annoying one she's too loud blah 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 blah. and i was like i hang on a fucking minute here i've not been an outcast my entire life to finally find that i'm actually part of something to then be told i'm too much for that yeah no i'm sorry so we've we flew the flag we flew the flag for everyone who is too much and there are loads of us yeah and that is never to discredit the people that are quieter that do need to to have some time out that is you know totally respected but we needed to carve a path for ourselves because even within the community we were further downtrodden I totally understand that my voice is annoying it doesn't annoy anybody more than me I promise you that but I hope that in uniting the community and in speaking up and all the good that we have done that even if you can't bear the sound of my voice you will at least respect all of the work that we've put put into this community yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I don't think your voice is annoying it or squeaky. Is, but, well, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I just think you're so right. Like this ADHD community, there's we're so different in all. So you know, like what you asked on, on our podcast before, you said, "Well, what shows up for you? What are your traits? What are your comorbidities?" 
And it just shows how different it is. Like it's kind of like different volume levels, isn't it? Of this is bigger for you and that's lower yes, for you. Yeah, and yeah. All these different traits. And so you are going to be attracting your community. Exactly. I attract my community. Exactly. But we have this underlying kind of common denominator of like, oh shit, we, we now know what's going on. And yeah, we want to help the people. And I love that you are speaking to all the other people who have felt too much in their yeah. lives. I've got so many friends who are the loud ones, the crazy ones, the ones that just like love going to a party, the ones that you love to have in a room, but potentially don't want to go on holiday with for two weeks. <laughs> and, the, and, the irony of, and the irony of the whole thing, the, the of the whole thing is in, in, in doing too much, in feeling too much and being told that we're too much, we feel that we're, we're not, not enough. enough. And that. We'll never be enough. We're and never good enough to sit at any table to yeah. keep our heads up. I said to you in the in the when we were interviewing you, you know, we probably should have reached out to you from day dot. Like, hello, you over there, you're doing this thing. We're gonna would never have thought of it because I was like, well, she's not gonna speak to us. Like she knows what yeah. we're doing and we're rubbish. You know, it's that kind of idea, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, but so what we did was somebody suggested that we went on tour they said they afterwards said oh I only meant let's go for beers uh but if you want to give me an idea I'm gonna do it too much yeah. so it ended up as was it 16 shows yeah it was, it was it was ridiculous I mean oh, 17 gosh. if we include the Aberdeen one as well that we did first in March but um <laughs> I mean it, I loved it, it but I was dead it was too much it was too yeah. it was absolutely too much and I think like Credit where credit's due. Laura carried that when it came to organising. We're getting everything done. I was finishing uni. I realised that I'd bitten off too much. And this is a big part of my understanding and yeah. me learning about myself just now is that I people please. So I say yes to everything because I know I can do it. I know I want to do it, but I'm not taking the full picture in the, the full picture into my picture well, the I don't full, even, yeah the yeah, wider yeah, yeah I'm not it, I'm not yeah. looking at the whole thing and so I'll say yes to all these things and my downfall is I overcommit and then when I overcommit I become overwhelmed and when I become overwhelmed I stop mm -hmm. so when you're organizing a whole UK tour and your partner with suddenly liaising with 16 different venues because just for anybody because we interviewed somebody the, the, the other day they're like how about your management it's like management no <laughs> it's just us me here talking to 16 different yeah. venues 20 different guests all the like oh my god so, yeah, it laura, laura had her work cut out and really had giving me palpitations yeah. thinking yeah. about it the me fact too. that you guys did you but you did it <laughs> like did. i understand totally dawn what you're saying like i would i'm exactly the same i overcommit overwhelmed then like really do freak out and then i have to like cancel so now i'm getting better at basically say I'd really like to do that but I can't do it until you know in, for another three months and that impulsivity that dopamine part of me just wants to do it now and like yeah of course like you know ride on the on the momentum but I know how easily you know how prone I am to burnout and um so when I think about you girls doing 16 venues and are you is it Q&A? Is it comedy? Is it storytelling? Like, you know it, even... it was accidental comedy, wasn't yeah. it? We basically took um, 
we came up with the concept that we would turn it into a game of bingo mm. because that way we would keep the attention of everybody because there's a potential of a reward. You could win the bingo, etc. So keep people focused. And also with the fact that we're pulling balls, it means that each show was different for us. It didn't go in the same order, which kept us engaged. So no two shows were the same, even though they sort of were. And stupid shit, like I was pulling balls with my kitchen ladle, mostly because my skirt was too short, but also because I was like, I'm coming out of the kitchen. Yeah. Like I'm out. So um, yeah, we did that. And then it was, so we, we had that. We had Nicole Nadler, who was writing her Edinburgh Fringe show, Why Am I Like This, on the road with us. So she was incredible. doing section throats. And she wasn't incredible. supposed to be on the road with us. She was coming to our Scottish shows, and we essentially kidnapped her. We kidnapped her. her. So like, yeah. it changed and developed It changed, and, developed and I, we I had this idea. There were a couple of times where I would tell these really shameful and hard-hitting stories, and basically broke my heart. I made this joke like, oh, I'm miserable. I suck the energy out of the room. That's not true. It's just that they were really confronting stories. Yeah. And then you're supposed to go, and I did this awful thing. Let's play bingo. And I was like, I can't do it. We have to we have to put some songs into it. Because yeah. we had songs at the beginning and the end. So then in the end, it just became this Masayoki karaoke, ridiculous songs, bingo, whatever. Ridiculous. Yeah. God, it sounds incredible. It I was. mean, did you come to Manchester? Because if you did, we I'd be did. so upset. We came yeah. to Salford, Salford Lads Club. Yeah. We played in Manchester. I'm actually doing a show there on the 9th of, I was about to say May. That was when we did the tour, December, uh, doing some Christmas shows, which Dawn will likely be at, but it's just me doing it okay. because we've learned our lessons. Yeah. There's live shows. Fine. Well, I will be there and I will make sure that all the links and if your tour or whatever you're planning in the future is in the show notes. Thank you. But I'm going to come to that so I can meet Yay! you. And yeah, I mean, it's even more ridiculous than the last show. Just it's going to be incredible. Uh, I don't have Dawn by my side, so I'm leaning full into the ridiculousness. But, <laughs> and, and that's been part of the learning process for me is like I need to know when to stop and know when to say no. And now I'm in third year university. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm not going to lie, like I am struggling at the moment yeah. with trying to like make sense of all the things that I'm doing and make sense of myself and and do your degree and and everything else what's your yeah what's your degree on i'm doing 3d design so ceramics jewelry product design she's amazing i'm still trying to figure out which direction i want to go in with that etc and so i had to actually admit that doing live shows at christmas time in december as soon as i've finished the first semester at uni is 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 actually going to be too much for me and I'm scared to let Laura down. So it took me a long time to be able to admit that I can't do this because I don't want to let her down. And so I kept saying that I'm doing it. And but then, then in the stress that then comes and the kind of negative feeling about it that then comes, that's what lets me down. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm actually really excited to do this. Do you actually want to do this? Like yeah. It's so confusing. And that's you know? it. it causes so much tension. So yeah. I, I was able to put on my big girl pants and, yeah. and be like, you know what? I don't think I can do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because I want to do it. There's there's a huge part of me that wants to be there and wants to do it, but I can't commit to it with everything else that I've got on at the moment. Yeah, because the point is, when we started this podcast, Dawn, we did it after Dawn's first year of uni, so it was a summer project for Dawn. Yeah. I, I was always going to the moon. I had a whole campaign plan. I knew I was going into this like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Whereas Dawn wanted to do it, wanted to get her voice heard, wanted to help people in the process, but 
she was doing a degree. Yeah. We were in completely different places with it when we even started. And and the yeah. whole reason for my degree is because ADHD, undiagnosed ADHD, robbed me of an education. And now I have an opportunity where, well, finally, I have actually some self-belief that I can do this. Because you're amazing. Because I didn't have that. I thought I just wasn't academic. So for, for yeah. me, getting this degree is so important. But but so is the community. And it's like, right, I have to I have to figure out like how to make everything work without holding Laura back and, you know, keeping our friendship and our work and everything that we're doing working too. So mm. it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. What, I mean, what I absolutely love about this community is that we can be that honest and we can say, and I, you know, I know that the listeners get it. And I know that your audience will get it because we're all, we all understand this so well, so sort of innately that when we can be real and say, listen, I just can't be part of this project or I need to pull back on the podcast or I need to have a break. About people that messaged me when I said I'm having a break um, in September and they were all like, good for you, you deserve it. Like, it's so important you look after yourself. There was not one negative comment. Yeah, it was yeah. all, I totally get it. It must be such hard work. Yeah. So we're in the most understanding community possible. And when we're late for meetings and when we drop the ball and we do things and certain things happen, it's it's only understanding. It's yeah, only yeah. kind of like compassion. And for you to model that to your listeners, you know, to say, listen, I'm doing a degree. There's just no way I can be part of a, yeah. a, a tour while I'm yeah. doing my degree. And the fact that you've waited so long and it's so inspiring and it's incredible. I mean, I'm intrigued as to what was life like career-wise for you both before <laughs> your ADHD diagnosis. Very different. Very different. <laughs> Go on, tell us. I love an ADHD different. career story. I very much was the person that was just like, I just need to do what society ex- expects of me. I need to get the the job and um, find, like, you know, be financially stable and work in an office and do what everyone else is doing. So I worked primarily in logistics um, as, as my career, but I jumped from job to job from job, like all over the shop, because I could only stay in a job a certain amount of time before someone found out that I was a fraud. But it was the same industry, so like 10, yeah. 15 years? 10 years? Yeah, I mean, 10, 10, 15 years, give or take, but there was also bar jobs because yeah. I would lose a job somewhere and then I would yeah. work my way up in the bad industry to a managerial position, which was too much. And then I would leave that and go back into logistics. And I was just bouncing about all over the place, never really finding my feet because I was never actually doing anything for me. It was, I was trying to meet society's yeah. expectations. Yeah. For me, for me, it's totally different. The way that ADHD presents in me is that I am, I've said it, I'm basically unemployable. I can't hold down a normal job. I, I genuinely can't. I did two months in an office when I was 17 I couldn't I was it was just like a receptionist job I couldn't make this go to there like I have a good head on my shoulders I am intelligent I can write I have a lot that I can give to the world but the basic kind of tasks that a normal nine-to-five job requires I don't have and on top of that my the emotional side of ADHD and the RSD side of ADHD is absolutely debilitating for me and I, that's something that that is a message that I do really want to push is quite often it can look like because I'm the person that gets things done because I don't sleep because I've got all these ideas and I keep moving is it looks like I'm doing all right. But the truth is, it's it's people around me that I find impossible. Like I can't get up every day and go to the same office. Like I've had little jobs here and there, but somebody looking over my shoulder, an email thread, like these are the things that actually are keep me up at night to the point that it's debilitating. I cannot 
do it. So I found things that I liked that were hobbies and I made them my job. So I was a scuba diving instructor, very dangerous. Anybody who came to the two month tour <laughs> will know at least one of many stories in which I nearly lost somebody their life because I have oh ADHD and I didn't yeah. know that I had ADHD. I was just doing my best. So unfortunately yeah. I had to give that up even though that is my biggest passion in life was scuba diving. I made hats for festivals. I put glitter on people in nightclubs in Ibiza. That's my work history. Yeah. And a bit of our work. Like there's no, there's no, you know, but I've but I've lived hand to mouth. I've lived hand to mouth my whole life. I've never, you know, when people had iPhones, I didn't have that. I I uh my joke is always like my clothes are sequins or rags. I've got going out clothes or I've got a swimsuit and a pair of denim shorts I've been wearing for five years because I'm on a boat anyway. Like I literally haven't had the basic things that people have had, that basic stability, having a house, having a phone contract, being able to do anything that isn't just cash in my hand that somebody's given me for doing their hair on that day and putting some glitter on them at a party. That's all I've ever had in my life. Yeah. I mean, I know that so many people can relate to that. I really do. And, you know, I listen to you and I just so, so resonate on every level because I was exactly the same. I couldn't work with certain people sitting in an office every day. I mean, thankfully, I used to work in PR and consumer PR and that was different clients, different accounts. But that same sitting in an office with the same people chewing in my ear and like, oh, and so I knew that I had to work alone. Like I knew from a very, very early age, it was, I have to work alone. I have to curate my own hours. For me, my biggest values is like freedom, autonomy, space, choice. Autonomy, that's a good one. Yeah. And, and when we don't know that, we think, well, that's wrong, that's bad. But think of all these incredible entrepreneurs that are definitely neurodivergent and like Richard Branson and I mean, Elon Musk, whatever you think of him. <laughs> All these, all these things, they've just gone off and done their thing yeah. because they couldn't do the other things that other people wanted. And so that's when we need to celebrate these yeah. ADHD yeah. Yes. brains. A hundred percent. Because we're trailblazing, we're following our intuition. And just because you can't, you know, pass a phone call to another line, I totally get that. I, I worked in... Because you can't look at oh a spreadsheet, my... never mind yes. operate one. I can't look at one. <laughs> Me too. Me too. But when we find that place, when we find who we are and how we like to work, that's when we succeed and that's when we thrive. And look at you now doing what you're doing and university. So I just celebrate anyone that just follows their follows their path and just listens to what works for them. A hundred percent. And do you know what else I think is really, really funny? I always I always make the joke that I'm a bit like Tim from the office. I'm looking around for the camera, like, is everyone all right with this? Did you hear that? Like, I don't get what's going on. I do not. I mean, I get what's going on, but I don't understand why everyone else is all right with it and everyone else is able yeah, yeah. to do it. And so my otherness and being outside of everything has led me to just have this weird way of thinking. Like, I remember when I first said to my mother, look, this is how my diagnosis went. This is what I want to change. This is my experience. She's like, Laura, who would listen to you? Like, you're going to go and speak to a doctor. Like, who the hell are you? And it isn't. It looks like arrogance. It looks like, who the hell am I to be telling a doctor how to do their job, to tell the government how to run the country? Who the hell am I? Who the hell am I? Who fucking knows? But I'm not having it. Yeah. And that kind of separation from society has made me able to just go, well, what the hell else am I doing? I don't get it. I'll just do this, you know? And that, yeah. and I will give that to ADHD, actually. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's incredible. And just before we finish, I'm interested, when you got your diagnosis, did any of the members of your family, like, did you see it in family members? Did it help you understand your generations a little bit? Because I I found that really helped me a little bit with a bit of healing. I mean, I... I definitely recognise it. My mum, whenever we speak about ADHD, she's like, oh, but I was like that. I was like that. I was like that. And I'm like, well, that's probably because you have ADHD. <laughs> but then my brother thinks it probably came from my dad. My oldest brother got diagnosed around the same time as me. Um, he got, actually got diagnosed first, and I still don't understand how he managed to get seen quicker because um, it was both through the NHS. I ended up going private. Penis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I ended up going private. didn't private. want to say it. <laughs> I, yeah, I ended up going privately in the end and only was I able to afford that through the help of our community members because it's yeah. it's them that donated to help me pay for my private wow. diagnosis, wow. which I am ever, you know, inde- indebted for that because I, was, I wasn't I was in a good place and, and I needed that, I needed the help. And so to be able to access that just, you know, changed everything. But um, I mean, I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, I might get in trouble, but my um, middle brother is probably ADHD. <laughs> But, just outed him. But he's he's high function. He's a C CFO. Like, you know, he doesn't stop. He's just go, go, go. And so he he's doing well and he's able to, you know, Nymph. work with Honest it, it. Harness yeah. it and use it. And 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 guess being, you know, a white male's probably benefited him to get the kind oh, of just help and support that he needs as well. So yeah um, for sure. I think that's the oh. thing though, isn't it? Like a lot of this, you know, diagnosis, medication uh coaching anything like there is no like way of going you've got adhd which means that you should be on medication which means that you need a doctor to tick, tick a box to say that you've got adhd all we are talking about ever is quality of life yeah and some people need help and some people need more help and some people don't because of where they are in society like we said intersectionality how they've been treated by their family what opportunities are in front of them but some people really do need help and that's what it's all about so it's never we never want to say oh everyone should be on medication or everyone should get a diagnosis self diagnosis is completely valid but the point is is like if you need help you should be able to access it. And if there was more awareness and and understanding and compassion in society, then maybe people wouldn't even need to be diagnosed in, you know, because because they're just self-accepting and the society's accepting and their their talents are uh, celebrated. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful? What well, do we say? Let's put that out there. Yep. Let's put that out there. Plant the seeds for, we never remember this. Plant the seeds of, for the of, shade. Plant the seeds for the trees. The shade, shade you will never sit under. There you go. Oh, that one. That's what it. we're doing. That's what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And on that philosophical, <laughs> you know, little anecdote or whatever you call it, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. And listen, it's been an absolute pleasure, like, getting to know you this morning. We've spent two hours together. And we've taken and up all of your time and you're already 20 minutes late for what you said we're going to go to. It's I'm fine. So it's fine. What I time know. is it? As long as, yeah, no, we're okay. okay. We're okay. Oh. We're going to, I'm going to finish now, but honestly, thank you so, so much. And I thank can't wait you. to share this episode. And anyone that wants to listen to your podcast, it's available on all podcast all platforms. platforms. Yeah. Yeah. Buying these ladies, honestly. And then the tour, I'm going to get yeah it's called an adhd af christmas laura with carol crossdale (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> it won't Love just it. be about me. That would be boring. It will be fun. It's just bringing the community together at what can be a difficult time of year for so yeah. many of us. Thank you. And if Thank I can so make much. it, I will be there to support her and the community as yeah. well. So yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And I hopefully will speak to you both. Thank soon. you Amazing. so much. You're thank Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I hope you found what you were looking for in this conversation and it's helped guide you towards some further self-healing, self-exploration, and most importantly, self-acceptance. And if you have enjoyed this conversation and would like to experience more of my work, such as access to exclusive live workshops and opportunities for group coaching sessions, connecting with other like-minded women, and a general feeling of belonging, please come and check out my monthly membership, the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective. I've made it as affordable as possible, and I offer you lots of resources and opportunities for connection and support from other women all around the world being diagnosed with ADHD later on in life. I'd absolutely love to see you there. All the details are in this episode's show notes or on my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. See you in the next episode.